Hi, welcome. Today on Perspectives, we are really going to explore a significant topic and something I'm really excited to explore. So I'm joined by two people who are in some ways at opposite ends of the spectrum. I have Dr. Steve Austin, who has been a lifelong studier, uh, not that Micah hasn't been a lifelong studier, but uh, especially in the areas of geology, evolution, uh, has been a college professor, uh, really a world-renowned geologist, um, attends Orchard Hill. Has, when did you start at Orchard Hill? About eight years ago. Okay, fantastic. And so um, what else do you want to tell us about yourself, just, just so we get a feel for who you I'm, are? I'm a Silicon Valley kid that was a rock collector from uh, <laughs> age four. Okay. So, uh, and I love just being in creation and just uh, looking around. Explore. Um, I love uh, to explain. I love the wonder and I love the worship. Mm. And that's what I love. That's what I do for a living. Yeah, well, good. Well, Dr. Austin's very um, uh, soft spoken for his credentials. He presents papers, had all kinds of sophisticated Bible archaeological conferences, and has been really a, a great voice on creationism and geology and the uh, references for the Bible. Now on the other side of me, we have Micah D'Angelo. Michael's a sophomore, 10th grader at North Allegheny Schools. And uh, you've been around Orchard Hill. You guys moved to uh, Wexford probably, what, around 2018? Yeah, early 2018. Okay, and yeah. so uh, came when he was in middle school. And the reason we're, we have the two on kind of both ends of the spectrum is Micah is really representing somebody who's starting to really grapple with how does what the Bible says square with science and kind of the predominant worldview uh, that is often not in favor of the idea of creation, often speaks more of evolution. How do I put together the facts, those kinds of things? And Dr. Austin obviously has had a long time to study it. I have very little to offer to this conversation other than uh, to help facilitate for a moment. So Micah, go ahead and tell us what some of the questions are that, that you have and that you hear even from some of your friends and people your age around this topic. Yeah, so like one of the major things is like in school, like everyone my age is taught like evolution. So like I was just wondering, Dr. Steve, like how do you like I mean, not acceptable evolution, but like, how do you balance science with like your faith? Okay, very good question. You, you want to keep both working together. You don't want to keep them in compartments. You want to keep faith and your uh, exploration of the world working together. So, like I said, I love to explain or love to explore, explain, wonder, worship. So I explore things and I look and, and see what's there. And then I explain them, like give them definitions, classify, that kind of thing. And then I, I wonder what would be the way to look at this from a creation point of view, from an evolution point of view. And then uh, I come back and I always like to worship. I like to say, thank you, Lord, for, for showing me, you know, this particular aspect. So, so in our... Culture, I think it would be fair to say that somebody wanting to affirm creation as the predominant scientific worldview would be considered in the minority 
um, viewpoint um, and would maybe be considered um, non-intellectual, at least uh, would be true in, in a lot of places where you're first kind of being exposed to the ideas. So, so how would you hold maybe the science and the faith components there? What would you say? Lean into faith, lean into both, um, that the science is off, that the faith is, you, you know, what, what's, your, what's your word to somebody like Micah who says, yeah, this is, this is what I'm struggling with? Keep integrating your, your view of the world with your view of scripture. And um, yeah, keep wondering and um, keep, um, Keep God central in, in, in your way of thinking. So don't, how does... don't compartmentalize, and then don't spend your time thinking about evolution only, because uh, uh, that'll neutralize your, it's, it's intellectual poison. You need, to, you need to think about what God has shown us. Okay, so how, so, so... Let's just assume for a moment that somebody doesn't have much background in any of this conversation other than they've heard the words, um, have some idea what they mean. What if you were going to give a, a quick explanation for why creationism has uh, intellectual credibility and you can integrate that with science um, rather than just say, oh, evolution is is the predominant good view. Would that be a fair question? Yeah, yeah Very sure. good, very good question. Um, I would answer that with scripture. I would say uh, there is a scripture in 2 Peter chapter three, do not be led astray by the error of ungodly people, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the last words of Peter to the church. And then what is the error of the lawless people? The, the error is all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. The idea of evolution, it's right there in 2 Peter chapter 3. In fact, it's a prophecy about the time in which we live. So Peter is anticipating the time, the day in which we live, and he's asking us to consider the error of, uh, of the lawless people and do not be led astray. And then he says, here's how to, here's the antidote to it. And he, and he talks about, uh, he's, he's talking about creation, the fall, the flood, the biblical framework of earth history. Okay. And that, that's, uh, uh, that's the context of Second Peter 3. It's a fantastic passage of scripture. Okay, so that might be one to consider. What, what else uh, um, are things that you want to ask somebody who's spent a lifetime studying this? Oh, okay, so um, I know you're an expert in geology. So a lot of my friends are struggling with the idea of the flood. And um, I wanted to know like, what you think about that. Like, was it like the whole earth, like what was like, what are some misconceptions about the flood and like, what do you say to them? Well, what, what I'd begin with is where we live. I would say, hey, we're here in Pittsburgh, right? And uh, what do we have here to remind us of the flood? And then, then we can talk about it being global elsewhere, but is there a flood here? And so if you look at the geology of Pittsburgh, it's 17,000 feet down till you get to granite. 
Really? Okay, 17,000 feet that. below uh, That's a long Pittsburgh. Ways. That's three miles. <laughs> That's quite a ways. And um, yeah, but there's all kinds of layers of sandstone, limestone, and shale, and in there are a whole bunch of marine fossils like uh, coral, brachiopods, clams. There's fish fossils. You know, you see all of the organisms that would be like an ocean right underneath us, right here in Pittsburgh. And then, yeah, if, if we could have a canyon through that strata, it would be three times as deep as Grand Canyon. And you could, you could, you could see that. Well, looks like the ocean was over the continent, wasn't it? <laughs> that just seems to be obvious. And so just, just we, we love uh, thinking that way. And so looks like a flood was over the continent. Underneath that, probably creation rock of some type, the original rock that God created, flood rock, and then the post-flood period in which we live. So when you say some of your friends have struggled with the idea of a flood, you mean they say, doesn't seem possible that there was a global flood or? Yeah, I mean, it depends. A lot of people that I've talked to, they said like, it's, I mean, it could have been a smaller flood or like, they don't know how it could have happened. It's just a lot of, a lot of problems. But I think the geological evidence is really interesting. It's something I would be interested in learning more about. Okay, okay, good. So yeah. I love going to Grand Canyon and I take people through Grand Canyon. We, we spend our time looking at the, at the layers in Grand Canyon. So the carbon dating uh, idea, because again, this is where many people would say, well, that establishes an older Earth. Is, does the flood impact carbon dating or how, how would you answer the carbon dating and the age of the Earth issue? I would, I would say, um, that, that over my career as a geologist, uh, I have grappled with the questions of the supposed absolute age of rocks from the dating methods themselves. And I've, I've personally spent a quarter million dollars on radioisotope dating of rocks. Okay, I'm, I've spent probably more than anybody around here. You know, I spent a lot of uh, money. And if anybody should be, be a believer in old ages of rocks, it should be me. But uh, no, uh, I've come away believing that absolute ages aren't absolute. And Some that's days. because of what specifically kind of gets you to that belief? Um, the assumptions. They all have glaring assumptions, a constancy of rate especially, that one. Yeah. Okay, so constancy of rate is a real, is a real stumbling block. And in the initial condition. Okay. So if we got a candle burning in this room and we're looking at the smoke in the room and the rate at which the candle is giving off smoke, you might make some guesses as to how long the candle's been burning in the room, but you, uh, you have to have the initial conditions and, and all that specified in the rates. Yeah. Okay, good. Michael, what, what other questions have uh, been rattling around in your mind? Um, one other thing, uh, how do you like, or sorry, could, um, could anyone like believe in part of the Bible without like believing in the whole thing? Or is that like, like could you like believe in part of creation and not the, not the rest? Or is that like, 
Well, what I would say is you can't take creation out of the Bible because it's through the Bible. It's a unifying theme. And uh, just like you can't take the covenants that God made with Israel out of the Bible, you, and you, there's things that, that they're, they're very per persuasive. For example, the New Testament has a global flood. Jesus talked about the flood. Peter talked about the flood. So yeah, we have to, we have to keep, uh, we have to keep those themes separate or, or together and yeah, not yeah. separate. And how do you like defend your faith, like to people who would doubt it, like doubt, or at least doubt parts of it? Like how do you, how would you like really persuade them otherwise? Okay, here's here's what I do. Because uh, I'm a geologist, I go out and do my work as a geologist. And as I'm doing my work, uh, I explain and and uh, uh, make predictions and and do uh, do my work. And people watch me do my work. And uh, it uh, over the years, people have said you're doing good work. And uh, so um, proof of the pudding is in the eating, you know. It, it, uh, uh, some of my professors who said, if you continue thinking in this creation way, you'll be of little value as a geologist. Uh, some of those people have come back to me and said, hey, you're doing some good things. Mount St. Helens exploded right at 1980, and I had uh, written my thesis on a uh, on, on a model for origin of coal, Mount St. Helens made it, and uh, you know uh, it, you, you have to you have to say uh, God showed us some amazing things, you know. So those that that and so do good work, do good work as a, as a geologist, and you can explain things like I love standing on the rim of Grand Canyon and talking about what I see at the Grand Canyon which is really good. Uh, uh, and God made it really well, but it doesn't tell a story of tens of millions of years of the erosion of Grand Canyon, you know, by the Colorado River. It's, it's, it's a very different story when you're, when you're looking at the, and talking about geology. And uh, when the Ohio River isn't millions of years old. You know, it's, uh, it's a re it was recently derived from drainage of a lake. Pittsburgh is an ancient drain is a is a drained lake, you know. It's it's completely bizarre when you think about what what history's like. And so I just I just do good work and and uh, that's how I that's my apologetic, you know. People see what I do, and and then I'll give you my explanation. You, here's there's that other explanations, and and that's that's what I do for a living. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I mean, you said earlier, like, you connected science with your faith, and that really shows. That's really cool how that connects. Yeah. yeah. So the best thing that I could do would be to get a busload of people, and let's go to outcrops all around Pittsburgh, and let's just talk about what we see, and, uh, and explain, and wonder, and worship, and, and uh, you know, wouldn't that be great? So yeah, that, and it would move people to be able to say, wow, there yeah. is such clarity around creation in the geology, in the um, yes. 
evidence that you see that it just becomes almost unmistakable as you've done that. Michael, let me respond to something you, you asked earlier. You said, um, you know, is it possible to believe part of the Bible but not the whole thing? That's a really astute question, and it's, um, and it's probably a multi-layered answer, and feel free to jump in and uh, redirect even my thinking on this. So I would say there are some parts of the Bible that, that if you don't believe it, then you're denying the essential message. So I would put creation in that, saying if you don't believe that God's the creator, then he doesn't have a right to rule. Then things like Jesus coming to earth, Jesus dying on the cross, doesn't actually fit because it's like, well, why did Jesus die if God didn't create? How did he even have the right then to, to send his son? You know, that kind of a thing. However, I do think there are, there are things within um, even some of like the creation narrative that, that some people may say, well, I believe that the flood caused the apparent age of the earth, or I believe the earth is young or the earth is old. Now, again, people will hold that differently, but, uh, but that's why I say I don't think that that necessarily rises to the level of you have to believe one necessarily. Now, you know, again, you can jump in and, and tell me why that's uh, suspect, but like if you were to do some reading, like Timothy Keller, who's a you know, well-known writer, he would say and has argued for what he calls theistic evolution. I think he's wrong, by the way, on that. Um, but he clearly believes, and he's, just, he's come to a point of saying, I have an old earth, and this is how I explain it. Um, and, and so that's why I would say, so, so, so there's a little nuance to that. You, you have to say, yeah, you don't have to believe everything the Bible says, in that sense to believe in Jesus and salvation, but you can't deny the, the essential narrative and have it still hold together um, because then you're totally picking and choosing, if that makes sense. What, what would you add to that? I'd just give an example, Romans chapter one. You know, Romans is a real doctrinal book of the Bible and creation is right there in yeah. first chapter of Romans. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen from the things which are made, Romans 1.20. Mm -hmm. And then the gospel follows from that. Yeah, so. yeah that's a good example. What other questions have you had here? Yeah, I mean, going off of that, I mean, like, I wanted, I wanted to ask, like, does it matter, like, certain issues, obviously, like, they don't, I mean, they, they're not as big as like the main creation, like you said, but like, does it matter if you disagree with someone about something like that? Like, is it, does it make you like less of a Christian? Okay. So, so when you say something like that, like age of the earth? Yeah. Like, like the age okay. of the earth or the flood or. Um, give, uh, elaborate it more exactly so I can go to so, it. So, um, is it, would it be. <laughs> Let me see if I can put into words what yeah. I think I heard you ask, mm. and then you tell me if I'm okay. off on this. I think what I heard you ask is, is it, are you as faithful a Christian if you don't hold to some of the, the finer points of what, whether it be creation, you know, age of earth, flood, explanations, even if you believe the whole thing, 
um, or is it really just kind of a superfluous secondary issue? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not a secondary issue, but you can put the pieces together, but you, you need to believe that and keep believing that the pieces of a puzzle you're working with fit together, even though you haven't fit them together. You know, probably an explanation I, I would might say to that is, for years, archeology span couldn't verify certain things in the Bible. Um, and then what's happened is most of those things, over time, all of a sudden, discoveries are made. What was it, Tyre and Sidon? For years, uh, you couldn't find the sites uh, back in the 1800s, and then all of a sudden, the sites were found. So, so for a while, people would say, well, I don't believe that that actually existed, that the, that's in the Bible. Um, and then all of a sudden, evidence comes forward. So, so to me, part of faith is saying, okay, I, I hold together the essential part of the narrative, I do believe other things, and there's some things that, that I don't have a good answer for, and I'm comfortable with that because I'm comfortable saying I believe that God created, God exists, the Bible is true. So even if this doesn't, I can't answer this piece today, I have enough answers through most of it to be able to say I have confidence that there is an answer for that, I just don't know it yet. Um, now I realize when somebody's poking holes at it that that may not um, answer that, but what I often find is when people start down a path of, well, what about this, what about this, what about this? There, there's two kinds of explorers, uh, inquirers. One is somebody who's just trying to disprove everything that's said, and no matter what you say or how you answer it, they'll always have another, well, what about? And then there's people who are genuinely trying to say, I really wanna know, is this, did, did God create? Is God in charge? Is there a God? Is there a Jesus? And, and, and the first kind of person is very hard to ever persuade with enough answers because they'll always find another um, issue in the Bible somewhere. But I, what I would say is most people who have studied the Bible faithfully for a long period of time um, would, would be able to answer a lot of those questions well. Like my guess is, you know, if somebody sat with Dr. Steve here and said, well, what about this geological issue? What about this? What about this? What about this? There would be a good answer for mm -hmm. 95, 99% of the, the, sure. the questions. And then the ones that aren't, that's what I'm talking about, where you'd say, ah, you know what? There's still a good answer. We just don't have it today. Mm -hmm. um, but that, obviously, when you're talking with people in the moment, isn't always super helpful, but it can be helpful to our own faith journey to say, I don't have to answer every question. One of the answers, one of the ways I've thought about this and is, you know, we're sitting here in a, in a room, the chapel at Orchard Hill in Wexford, and there's light coming through the lights. Well, when you're first a child, you know enough to flick a switch and say, the light comes on. And you understand light to a degree but there are people who have spent their lives studying electrical engineering and know a whole lot about how all kinds of lights go together and, and, and there's a whole lot more to it. And when you get into a building like this, I know because I remember when we built this, the, the, the drawings and the designs and the complications, there's stuff that even electrical engineers sit around and say, I have no idea why this light didn't work. It should. And yet there is an answer. They just 
even with all their study, don't know, but even a child can walk in and flick a switch and go. And, and faith has that kind of an element to it where there's incredible beauty and complexity to those who apply themselves to study. And yet there's a, there's a beauty to the simplicity of also being able to say, yeah, I walked out in creation. I saw the immense, the, the beauty of the sky. And I said, wow, there must be a God because I don't see how this, this universe would look this way. And then somebody else will say, well, I'm going to study the 17,000 feet of strata below Pittsburgh. And now I understand that there's beauty to this. And, and, and somewhere in between, all of us have a journey in that. So what, what would you add to that? Um, that's, uh, that's a great answer. Just Well, thank you. <laughs> all right, Michael, what, what else have you guys been, uh, been wrestling with? Oh, so another thing I've heard a lot is like, um, in between Genesis, uh, the first and second verses of Genesis, some people think it was like a period of time in between that. Like, what do you think of that, Dr. Uh, Steve? I used to th like that idea. I, I thought about God uh, originally created and then it was formless and void. Maybe there was judgment and maybe a geologic age back there or something. And then God recreated maybe in... That, that type of thing, um, thought about it a little bit, but it, it seems like it's just ad hoc put into between two verses of the Bible. You know, first and second verse of Genesis. Is that really uh, the, the best way to, to look at that? And God saw everything he made and behold, it was very good, including a judged world that, you know, was cataclysmically destroyed uh, in the in a pre-existing geologic age I, you know just it makes uh, it seems like it's unnecessary so there's when people bring that up mm -hmm. usually what they're driving at is they want to hold to an old earth instead of a young earth so at at issue is you know when we date back through the bible you come to an earth that's somewhere around 6,000 years old give or take a little bit and so in people who want to integrate faith and science, what you find is young earth people and old earth people. Young earth people say, well, this is where the Bible kind of takes us. And therefore we will, as we look at science, um, be able to somehow reconcile the age of the earth. The other group would say, oh, there's, uh, you know, the science says it's old. So now I'm going to look at my text and I'm going to figure out how to, how to, get the old earth out of the Bible. And so what they do, and there's generally four ways, maybe more, four that off the top of my head. One is the gap theory between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, God created. So God created, and now there's this huge expanse of time, unknown, unspecified, and somehow this is the, the time when all the aging of the earth happened. And then God started forming the land, is, is typically how that would be stated. Another way that people get there is they'll say the days of Genesis are ages. So it's called day-age creationism. A third way I mentioned, which is what Tim Keller has advocated, is kind of a theistic evolution. God used the evolutionary process. And Genesis 1 and 2, I don't know if he says this, but this would be John Walton and some other books would say, in essence, the, the Genesis 1 and 2 narratives are more poetry of the era, not designed to account for creation. So it's open to the creation narrative. 
And then some people would probably, the fourth would be just say, the earth was created with a parent age uh, because presumably when God created Adam, he didn't make him a baby with no one to care for him. He made him a man just like he made a tree have age and therefore, therefore that accounts for the old earth. And so, so, so those are kind of the, the, the base challenges when you come to talking about creation. And, um, and, and so when, when you hear all of that, where do you land as a geologist? And, and what words would you have of, of encouragement or thought just for somebody who's kind of saying, I can kind of try to understand and work through those? Well, I've come through all of that ways of thinking for, for uh, several tens of years. And I would say uh, I've become comfortable thinking in a young earth and a, uh, a original fiat creation, in other words, God created by, by command. It was there, it had appearance of age. And then uh, I like the idea of a, of a, a fall. The, the creation was originally perfect. There was a fall and there was a flood. And there's a corruption of language after the flood, the Tower of Babel and the present uh, earth in which we see. So okay. that, that fits. Uh, fits uh, nicely, and I've become very comfortable thinking that way, okay. and and thanking God for basically uh, taking me down this trail and seeing the world around me, and and uh, mm -hmm. you know I'm still learning, but yeah, that's yeah. it's really good. Good. So so where do you kind of as you hear all of those, not to put you on the spot, yeah. I know you get to ask the questions today, but. Uh, where do you kind of, you know, right now gravitate? And we won't hold this to you. We won't play this back to you in five years and say, hey, you said this, but. So, yeah, I mean, I've definitely thought about it a lot. I mean, Young Earth used to make a lot of sense to me, but now as I'm thinking about it, like, it's just hard to, like, go along. I mean, the, those, like, views that you mentioned, they really, some of them really do make sense. I'm not really exactly sure which one. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely hard to. So, so one of your questions, and that goes back probably to an earlier question when you said, hey, what parts do you have to believe to be kind of still in the camp of, you know, whatever you want to, word you want to use of believing in creation is part of your own journey of saying, I kind of took it at what I thought was face value. Now as I'm getting more learning, I'm trying to reconcile the old earth back to what I read in scripture. Yeah. And I also had another question, like, um, would it be like taking away from the Bible if you um, made your own view about something or like those views that you mentioned, like would that be going astray from like what God had said? So, uh, well, those are ways people have uh, already done that. So, so um, and again, I think you'll find people that I think are of um, faith that, that hold those views. Um, I, you know, I think there are, there are some things at stake. Like, I don't think it's as simple as, um, hey, all views are equal. Um, uh, I'm probably most troubled by kind of the theistic evolution view. Um, um, I remember reading John Walton's book, uh, I forget the name of his book on Genesis 1 and 2, but uh, I remember reading it and thinking, if he's right, changes everything, because he basically says this is a poem and doesn't really relate to creation. 
Uh, and he's a, you know, he's a professor, I think, at Wheaton College, teaches there still, writes all kinds of stuff on the Old Testament. Um, so I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't question the validity of his faith, but, but I do think that, that when you start to say, well, the Bible doesn't land a creation account, that, that to me can lead to things, even if the person espousing it doesn't go there. Uh, and I know that that's a bad argument, like overall to say, well, some people might take it too far, but, but, but that, that concerns me a little. I don't love day age for that reason, uh, because I think from a biblical interpretation standpoint, whenever you look at something like Genesis 1 and 2 and you say, well, it says day, but day really means, now, again, you can make an argument. There are times like, like where day is used to refer to an indefinite period of time. Uh, poetically. So if it's a poem, that, you know, that might make some sense. But the rest of it is so specific that it's, that, that it's hard now. Again, I know people say things like, well, the light wasn't created until, you know, day X, therefore this couldn't have been and, and all of that. But, um, but, but all of that just to say, I think um, if you can come up with a view that nobody's had that answers everything, Fantastic, um, because there are some, some tricky issues here, but, but I think what Dr. Austin said is really true. You want to ask the legitimate questions of the text and science and never be afraid of where it takes you and say, I'm going to study this. And if you study it with a truly open heart and mind, I think what, what happens in time is even if you land differently than somebody else, I think it will point you to God. And I do, I, I hold what you said about Romans 1, if you, you read on, you know, it says that people were without excuse because it was evident to them. Yeah. And I believe that God, when you study creation and, and science, makes his presence evident. We may answer how we got there differently, but I do believe that that happens and and for most of us at one time or another, if we really delve into it. And so to me, it's don't be afraid of science. Don't be afraid of, of the Bible, but, but don't, don't short circuit the Bible side of it just to make it quickly answer. Um, sometimes it's okay to live with some tension in the, I'm not sure how this resolves yet. Like, like you said, you've come to believe and become comfortable with. But that's probably taken you some years and study yes. along the way. And I know for me in my journey on this, it's, there, there's been some, some, some twists and turns as well. Like, like, like how I would articulate things today is not how I articulated them when I was you know, in high school and trying to first make sense of, of those issues. So, so what, what, um, as you've move through kind of your academic, spiritual journey in this. Um, what if you had any key moments of, of movements in faith, what would they have been? Um, some, uh, it's just serendipity. You know what serendipity is? You're doing something and then something else happens and you say, whoa, isn't that cool? Or uh, that gets your attention. And so, um, you know, my faith journey with, 
with science and with uh, faith is a lot of serendipity, just being right at the right time, talking to the right person, seeing that particular subject from a, a different point of view or something like that. Or like I wrote a dissertation on a wacko idea about how coal might form and yet Mount St. Helens exploded 10 months later and made a, made a, a model of what I had written in my thesis, you know? So, so it just, uh, God is in control of the things that are, that are impacting our lives. And so he, he's able with my brain, 100 billion brain cells God gave me, you know, so he wants me to integrate science and faith. And so uh, I, I just, uh, what, what next does God have to show me? What other questions do you still have here today? One thing I recently got asked by a friend was, um, he thinks that um, th like the creation account is simply a metaphor to understand God and it didn't really happen. Like, what would you say to someone like that? Um, well, it, the, the Bible description of creation is so emphatic um, that he created from nothing and he created by his command and he created it good. And uh, so it, it explains the character of God. And so I think that's, the, that's where, where I go with that. I, I would add, I, I like that. I, I would add, it doesn't get your friend out of what he's trying to get out of, which what he's trying to get out of is the implications of God as a creator. Because if it's, a, if it's a, um, just a poem or an account, a mythical account, um, you still have to answer the question, did God create? And, and, you know, the old, um, you know, kind of story of this is design needs a designer. Um, you know, it's the old argument of the watch needs a watchmaker. So the question is, okay, where did that come from? And if you just keep answering that back, sooner or later you get to a definition of God. And, and the only way you don't is to say, that somehow the earth stuff existed, but we don't know where from if there's not a God who created it in the beginning. And it was just kind of circulating and spontaneously it came together and created everything that we have. And, and the question that you still have to ask is, well, does that make more sense? Or does it make more sense that photosynthesis and the human body with the intricacies of the heart and the blood vessels and geology and, and um, you know, uh, all the amazing processes of the world were done by somebody with intelligent design. And uh, I know I've heard, I've probably used this example, but I'm sure I stole, borrowed it from somewhere, but um, mathematically, you would have a greater chance of smashing a computer into pieces, putting it in a bag, shaking the bag and having the bag have the computer form back within it than you do of the chance of kind of what evolution portrays of saying, here's how it all came together. Now, I haven't checked the stats on that, but, but, but I mean, if you think about it, 
you know, like if a friend says, well, that's just a, that's just a myth. Okay, so what you believe is that the universe was shaking around in a bag, all the matter that you have no answer for where it came from, and then poof, out came this universe. Um, and that's so that you can avoid basically having a creator so that there's no one to have an answer to. So, so what I would say to, to somebody who says that is, is, okay, you can take it as a myth. I don't think it is, but it actually doesn't get you out of what you think it gets you out of, which is you still have to answer, is there a creator or is there not? And that still has implications, so. Mm -hmm. And is there, is there any other advice you have for like talking to someone like that? Like, how do I go, like, should I, like what kind of questions should I ask him and things like that? Um, you could ask specifics. Do you believe that the Homo sapiens species of that we uh, are did that evolve from Australopithecines? Uh, do you believe that clams evolved? I can't even from, say those things, by the way. You know, can, <laughs> do you, what you, you know the specifics. You start, you know, and and uh, you, you know the 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 ancestors of man and man are together in the fossil record. It's not one game before the other. Clams have always been clams. Birds have always been birds. Humans have always been humans. It, it just seems to come from the looking at the fossil record. So why not believe a biblical uh, understanding? And then, uh, of course, Great civilizations have the idea of a creator God in it and a global flood. And, and uh, so it's, it's, it's common to the human uh, condition to think about these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, specifics are great. Honing in on the simple, and what I mean by that is, okay, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Like that question begs an answer and what people often want to do is they want to and this isn't just with creation this is in general anytime somebody wants out of a clear implication of something what they'll always do is they'll be like it's just so complex and they'll 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 kind of go to this and it's not that things aren't complex but it, you know like you know if uh you know somebody's mom or dad says you know did you eat the you know, the, the cookie dough, well, it's complex. You know, there, there was cookie dough and it was here and it was there and, you know, what is cookie dough? I mean, who really knows what cookie dough is? Uh, you, you know, you're avoiding the issue by, by, by appealing to complexity and, and I don't mean that your friend is because friends, uh, anybody could have legitimate questions that have specific answers, but I also love just going back to saying, okay, the real issue here is, is there a creator or not? Um, and yeah, we can talk about the specifics of it, but at the end of the day, is it more reasonable to believe that a God definition, definition of God created what is, or that it just happened? Um, that's the fundamental question. And then there's implications that come from that. And, and the other thing that, that I find compelling, and I know you, you starting with creation makes a lot of sense, but Jesus is also compelling in talking with people because if you can establish Jesus as God, um, now it's easier to also establish the creator. So, so that's a two-way argument because they're both tied together. So, 
Well, good. Well, thank you so much for coming with your questions. I hope we answered a few of them. Thank you so much for coming and bringing your years of study and knowledge. And, um, and hopefully, as you've had a chance just to interact with this material today, there were some things here that helped you in your journey wrestling with uh, the ideas of creation and evolution and how the world fits together. Uh, there's always more content on Orchard Hill Plus. Uh, there's more perspectives podcasts in the past. There's more coming. There's five good minutes uh, on there. Uh, we're also uh, planning some other great content that you'll find at Orchard Hill Plus um, whenever you go there. So have a great day.